you know, she does her research and I, you know, I follow up with her in a couple of days and I go, what did you think? And she goes, yeah, I'm not going to build a house. So I said, what happened? You know, the, you know, I started talking to her and, and, and what she said to me was, oh, I went to so-and-so's website and I couldn't find the square footage. And it's true. This builder does not put square footage on their website. I said, well, why don't you, yeah, I said, just call them. And she goes, no, if they don't want to tell me the square footage, I don't think I want to work with them. And then she moved on to the next one and they had some information she wanted that they didn't share either. She went to another one that didn't even have office hours. It said, call for an appointment. So she was done. She just, before any of these builders had a chance to realize that she's going to consume information the way she wants, how she wants and when she wants, they had no chance. They stood no chance by eliminating any piece of information she was looking for. This is a transparency conversation. Hi, and welcome to Building Perspective with Matt Riley and Molly Elfman. We're here to bring value to you and your team by exploring all things sales and marketing related. All from different perspectives. Today, our focus discussion of the week is virtual home design and digital consumer trends with our special guest, Chad Berea from The BDX. And Chad's going to be talking specifically about a product that they have called Envision, and how that ties into the virtual home design. So it's going to be really, I'm super excited to dive into that. Um, but first, Molly, what do we have? But first, let's dive into our top topics of the week. All right. And I'll jump in first. And, you know, I, I came across this article. I actually came across it this morning. And I was going to talk about something else today. And then I saw this. And I was like, you know what? This is right on point. And so... It talks about how the the key, the title of the of the article is how to advertise to an audience with an eight second attention span, uh, which is really where we're at, right? It's you know, and that's a that's a there's a link in that article to uh, another article that was published uh, in January of January of this year, talking about how that's the new number. Like our attention span, especially online, is averaging about eight seconds, which by the way is that of a apparently about level to a goldfish's attention span. <laughs> um, but I think that comes into a couple of things and really how, you know, the, the whole purpose of it is how do we get their attention? And when kind of laying out when you're doing your marketing, like how do you get that out in front of people? And it ties into something that we've been talking about really the past few weeks, leading all the way back to episode one, uh, which was uh, data-driven creative. And that really ties into understanding how copy and creative, the creative element of your ads are, are vital to grabbing someone's attention and pulling them in so you can tell your story because they're just scrolling through, whether it's on social, whether it's Google, whether it's, it doesn't matter, wherever they're consuming content, we've got to pull them in quickly Um and get their attention so we can tell them our story. And a lot of times when we're marketing, we want to ramble on. We, we can make it a lot, a lot longer than what it needs to be because we're trying to get all these little details. And it, and it really is hard to get your information in 
your message in a seven or eight word title that you're trying to pull someone in, or you've got eight seconds of a video to pull somebody's attention in. And a lot, you know, like this is a pet peeve of mine. We're talking about video, whether you're running video on social, a lot of people like to throw their logo. This, this made me think of this, like to throw their logo on the front, the front end of the video, and you start counting down, and you think about this, you're scrolling through social media specifically, and if the front of your video, the first five to six seconds is this really cool animation of your of your logo, we love that because it makes us feel good. It's our logo. We're like, oh, how cool is this? But if you think about, you've got that short of a time period um, before someone moves on, or you to get their attention, throwing your logo at the front end of a video isn't necessarily the best use of your time. Um, go I ahead, love all of this stuff. So this is what I study for fun. I mean, the consumer, what is going to stop a consumer and get them to pay attention? And I always think back to this billboard in Florida. Um, and it says, all it says on it is your wife is hot. <laughs> and it's for an AC company. And it is just, I always just think it is so clever because it takes you by surprise. You're like, my wife is hot. Like, what is this? And then it's talking about air conditioning in Florida. And I, I always think about that. Um, but really just to grab attention, it doesn't have to be something provocative like that. That's kind of old school, but really finding that one thing that is going to stop someone with the headline so that they will continue reading the more informational content that you want to put in front of them. So um, we tend to have a lot of fun here with headlines and what's going to get someone to stop and pay attention. And um, you're totally right. Build, most builders don't realize how important those first seconds are in stopping someone when there is so much clutter out there and there are so many things drawing eyeballs away. How are you going to get those eyeballs to stop and actually read the rest of the content? Yeah, no, completely agree. Yeah, that, that article goes in depth about other things about, you know, clarity and best practices of the platform you're using and, you know, personalizing ad content. And it gets pretty, it, it, it goes pretty granular. But to me, I just wanted to talk about that as a whole of grabbing someone's attention, that, that eight second attention span as a whole, but grabbing somebody's attention. And it, it just shows that, in my opinion, that it, it goes even further to show that creative and copywriting is is truly becoming an x factor for you know your messaging and 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 attention for you know because we trade in attention that's what we do matt do you remember five years ago i did we did a conference here in philadelphia you were here and i did a talk about about marketing and grabbing attention and i actually had a live goldfish in a bowl I do remember that. Okay. I, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I put it right in front of you, made it look at you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, sadly, the goldfish is not around any longer, but that that information, you know, about the human attention span just just decaying is is still just as relevant. And it's, it's interesting because it's only going in one direction. Yeah, because everything now is just instant hit, right? It's an instant hit of... If I, if I want to know something, I instantly can figure out what that is. And if you don't give that to the consumer, um, then they're just going to pass, pass right by you, which is why the attention span is, is lower. Now, I also think that there should be a caveat or an asterisk beside that statement because it's not like as human beings we can't concentrate longer than eight minutes on, or eight seconds on something. But 
it's when you've got it. I think that's to catch their attention. And if you catch their attention, then they'll cons- then they'll dive in deep and really consume everything um, because you you've you know you're now interesting to them. So uh, anyway, I, th- I think that's good stuff. So anyway, that that was what I had for today and uh, wanted to chat about. And I think that's going to tie in a little bit to our our topic with Chad when we get with him in a little bit. But uh, but Molly, what what do you have? Yeah. What's your top topic? Today? So that actually ties in pretty well to, to what I wanted to talk about as well. So, um, I follow ad age. I, I love the agency world and I love creative of course, and they just did a small agency conference and in some of their takeaways, which we can put a link to this specific article, there were a couple things that really stood out to me. And one of those was the fact that 90% of data in the world today has been created in the past two years. And that to me is such an indication of how much things are going to be changing in the next two years. And we spend so much time talking about data and what that means from a marketing standpoint. But when you think about 90% of all that data is from the past two years. I mean, that's just unbelievable. So, um, you know, we talked on a past podcast about 5,000 data points on individual people. Um, that's just going to grow and grow and grow and grow. And to me, that number really caught my attention because I can't even predict or think of where we're going to be in five years from now. And that's pretty exciting for our entire industry. And it, it all yeah. leads well into our into our guest for today. <laughs> it It definitely does, for sure. Yeah, it, it is amazing how much content is generated on a daily basis. And it was just a few years ago that we were saying, and I can't, uh, technology and the data that is being produced out there is growing exponentially. It just, it, the multiplier of it every year, it's like compounding interest. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. And just a few years ago, we said, um, hey, over the past 10 years, we've created more information in the past 10 years than we have in going back all the way to re- the beginning of recorded time, you know, the recorded history. And now it's like, we're, we're surpassing that now, like every two years. It's, it's, it's scary, but it's also exciting. Like, where are we going to be? It's, it's kind of, it's really, uh, I'm excited to listen to this again in five years and be like, ha ha, they didn't know anything. Yeah, laughing at ourselves, right? right? The, right. the documentation process. Now you're going to be able to go back and listen to your own predictions right. and be like, well, I was either really right or really horribly totally. wrong. Um, yeah. So a couple other points from this article that stood out to me. Um, another one was they refer to where we are right now at this moment in time as the beginning of the digital revolution, which I found mm. really interesting because I think we tend to think like, oh, we're well into this digital revolution. So In the article, they say um, this is the beginning of the digital revolution, and their example of that is our daily interactions digitally, Um, and these are personal interactions. So today, we have about 600 interactions daily, and by 2025, they're predicting that we will have 4,800 
daily interactions. So that growth online um, and those digital touch points is going to grow so much in the next five years that they say that we are at the very beginning of this digital revolution. And again, this is coming from AdAge and their small agency conference. So that really stuck out to me. And that goes with what you were saying about um, the eight second chat, you know, the eight seconds to to get someone's attention. I mean, all this proves is that it's going to be even harder to get attention because there's just going to be so people are going to be looking from one thing to the next eat so much more than they are right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I'm still wrapping my head around going from, what was did you say, 600 interactions 600, to over 4,000? 4,800 by 2025. And again, this Golly. is a prediction, but it's based on in, you know real information and real data um, coming from AdAge. So to me, that's something that we need to pay attention to because it's not going to it's not going to slow down and it's going to be even harder to have your content stand apart. So making sure that your marketing is on point is going to become more and more and more important because quite frankly, it's going to get harder to stand out, not easier. Oh, no, for sure. It, even if their prediction is off by 75%. Right. It's still it's a still crazy two, number. It's still 2,000 interactions a day compared to 600. Exactly. And it's interesting because as marketers, we love data because it makes our lives easier. But the way it's changing consumer behavior also makes our lives harder because getting attention is harder. Tracking people is easier. Um, so it's really fascinating on both sides. And then there was one more thing that stood out to me that I definitely, this speaks to me on every level. I'm, this is why I love marketing. Um, a lot of times we talk about demographics, demographics, and it's, you know, who the buyer is, where the buyer is, um, what they're looking at. And it's really, you know, these, um, points about them that we, really put people into these different buckets. And what we don't talk about as much is psychographics. And I think that these questions of that really, you know, we do talk a little bit with data of having this information about the buyer, but really using that in our marketing. And really we've, you know, what is the value to the consumer when it comes to your product? How are they going to live in your home? What is it that they value? in their life. Um, and that's really looking more at psychographics. So I, I think we're going to continue to have more conversations that take the demographics of the buying cycle and what we're all used to talking about and really breaking it down even deeper into the psychographics. So I would imagine we'll have a podcast in the future that touches on this specifically, because I think conversations are going more and more in that direction. Yeah, no, I think it's good. That'll be good stuff. Yeah. Um, so. And agree. I agree hundred percent. So, all right. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back, uh, we're going to dive into our focus discussion of the week with Chad Berea from the BDX and dive into virtual home designs and digital consumer trends. So hang with us. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back. Thanks for sticking around with us. 
we're going to go ahead and dive into our focus discussion of the week. And we're going to talk about virtual home designs and digital consumer trends. And we have very honored to have our guest with us today, which is Chad Bria from the, the, I like to say this, the BDX. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Chad. Welcome to the show. My pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me. We're so happy to have you here, Chad. And I'm particularly excited to dive into some of the um, topics that we're going to you know, throw at you today and to learn more. Um, I really want to learn about Envision. So if we can start there, can you just kind of talk about how it works and what the purpose is? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so Envision is, uh, I'll give you a little bit of the history behind it. So you kind of understand why anyone would try to take on options and selections in the home building industry. Um, so, um, because it's, it's complicated, right? I mean, I, I would say if you look at surveys, right, reviews and things done, um, design center experience comes up as a negative more often than a positive, right? So um, about 12, 13 years ago, um, we had our, uh, our home builder board um, connect up with a, a sort of manufacturer board. So, they're, so Envision is, uh, is an options solution that is partially owned by the home building industry, but also partially owned by the manufacturing industry. And so that's a really important base step to understand, to really get the nuances of what Envision can do. And, uh, and if you can imagine, and I know, Matt, you've got a lot of history with this, um, uh, you know, you're working with a, a Moen or Whirlpool, wonderful products, and they have such a line and they're constantly innovating those products. That, so they're constantly changing those products, right? Um, either a sure. description or an image, or, or I, I like to joke around about just simply moving a a handle on a refrigerator from the left side to the right side changes the model number, right? Now you have to get rid of the L and add an R. And now everybody <laughs> right. has to play catch up, right? Um, but it's part of the business. So the first step in making Envision work in terms of option selection for a buyer, buyer was to make sure that that data was consistent 100% of the time, right? right? So the first thing we did was start to help these manufacturers with an XML feed and they feed us every 24 to 36 hours, depending on their, uh, you know, their schedule, whatever the, that cadence is. And they feed us their entire database of marketing information. So what's important about that? So no pricing. I want to leave that one aside. They only sure. send us the things that, that a builder or a buyer needs to make a decision, right? So a builder to sell it, buyer to make the decision on it. And so this feed that comes in is actually what sits behind Envision and powers everything. Um, so imagine, and you guys are, are marketing folks, you guys know how busy and, you know, how many hats a marketing team wears. Um, imagine saying now, um, um, you know, Hey, guess what? We're also going to go market all of the appliance packages, all of the flooring, all of the paint, all of the products, you know, the 118 different things you put inside of the house. I want you to go market all of those. That's a lot of work. That's a huge that, undertaking. That's a Absolutely. No question. <laughs> so, so why bother, right? That's kind of our thing. Um, let the manufacturers do it. Let them send that data, let them push it out and let them keep it up. And then your purchasing department and design centers look at that data set and decide at that point, okay, we're a whirlpool builder, but we only want to carry these lines. Maybe you have plans that don't have uh, the ability to have counter you know, or counter counter depth refrigerators, right? Hypothetically. Um, sure. You can eliminate the, those products from this database so your buyer never sees it. So we're using the manufacturers to push data into Envision. And then we use Envision to grab the rules, the options rules, 
right, that make up um, how you can buy a house, um, meaning your hierarchy of which options are global versus division versus community versus floor plan versus elevation versus lot even. Yeah. And then using Envision to store those rules. They, they're not owned. The, the, the rules aren't owned by Envision. They're owned by your ERP system, uh, you know, whether that's Bricks or Mark Systems, any of those guys. Um, right. That data pushes in, sets the rules. Then we match up those manufacturer products and we create a user interface for a buyer and a browser because it's also a marketing tool to come in and actually see the products that they can put into that home. Um and I had a really interesting conversation yesterday with a builder who said, uh, he said, well, we don't, want to, we don't want them to focus on the products. We want them to focus on the lifestyle. I completely agree. Master plan communities are amazing lifestyle marketing messages, right? Amenities, you know, we talk about that all the time. But how I live in the home is also a lifestyle. Do I cook? Of course. Do I not cook? <laughs> right? Do I read? Do I want a sitting room? Do I want an, an optional screened in back porch so I can sit and read? We're all different human beings that do different things. So our lifestyle is defined subjectively. Right. Right. Well, it's interesting. So I, I want to circle back around for a second. You know, so yes, I was actually, I was at dinner last night with a builder. I was on site. We were doing a site visit and uh, we, were, we were having dinner and the owner of the company was saying like, where, where are we going as an industry? And he's like, you know, how, how far away are we from being able to, centralized model homes. And, you know, instead of if you've got four communities in one area, instead of having a staffed model in every single community, how far away are we from being able to centralize that? And that same thing applied, we were talking about a design center. So they were looking at, you know, they're looking at creating a new design center. And one of the things that was interesting is, you know, they had, obviously they have a limited number of, amount of space and they've recently, you know, before they get started, they, they decided they were going to kill all the ki kitchen vignettes, right? Being able to show what a full size kitchen looks like in the actual design center. And because they were limited on space and like, if you were to put one or two or three kitchens in a design center, like it, it eats up tons of space. Mm -hmm. And like, how do we figure this part out? And this exact thing came up at dinner last night. And being able to take, you know, being able to help the buyer visualize what their lifestyle is going to be, how they're, you know, living in the home, and then being able to look at essentially what these selections are in the design center without having to require all that time, space, money, um, setting all of that up. And really kind of in its, if I'm, it, tell me if I'm right here, but in its most simple form, that is, isn't that what Envision does? It helps you, helps the buyer visualize um, through, you know, digitally what those things are going to look like. Exactly. No, you're exactly right. Um, the biggest misconception about a virtual design center is that it's eliminating a design center. And, and it's not. Right. It's, it's to complement. Um, because what you said is exactly right. Um, the challenge we see in some of the lower customer sat things that we see generally have to do with not enough time to look and choose, right? Select, I should say, and then narrow down and um, decide. Right, right. And, 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 and it, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 that's fine. It just that, that is exactly the challenge, right? So if you, if you double that time on an, with an, with a virtual design center, right? So you got four hours online and then you have four hours in the design center. We're now matching how you buy a car. Yeah. 
Uh, no, absolutely. And that is where I think our – not I think. That's where our industry is going. It's just going to be a matter of how long it takes to get there and who – you know, the disruption factor. And so the, the folks that you guys have right now, the builders that you guys have right now that are utilizing Envision mm-hmm. and how it works – what are some of the ways that you seeing or you guys seeing that builders are using it, whether it be in a design center ops setup or not, or ways to market versus you, like you mentioned purchasers versus actual browsers. Like how are you seeing people utilize it? Sure. And, and that's a really good question. And, and it, it kind of boils down to process, you know, depending on the builder. Um, so we, we have a couple of builders who have, who have looked at that that virtual design experience and said we want this as part of our marketing process, but we are we we have limited selections and so we don't want to use it for the actual purchase or design center process. We just want to use it as a marketing tool, um, and that's okay. We 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 like the idea of using it uh, in the selections process because it's a lifetime program, meaning all of the warranties and manuals and everything that come over from those manufacturers, the buyer has access to for the life of the house. So we, we do encourage it that way because it's, it's kind of like your home's app, right, uh, with everything you chose to, to go into it. But, but a builder, might not, that might not work for them, right? And we don't, we don't want to tell them how to run their business. So if they only want it in a marketing capacity, that works well. And in fact, um, I can name a couple of builders who are closing a uh, – they're converting from Envision leads. So somebody who comes in, they look at a kitchen, let's say. And, uh, and they start to pick out an appliance packages, a backsplash, uh, you know, f- uh, flooring and, um, and uh, countertops to see how they'll all match together and look together because uh, there's a visual component to it potentially as well. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and they, they take that and they decide they're going to save that kitchen, right? I'm going to save it and share it, save and retrieve. Now they register. They have to register in order to save it. That's your equal exchange of information. I now become a lead sure. for XYZ Builders. And then uh, we have builders that are closing those leads, uh, converting them at um, between 25 and 40%. Wow. So it's a, that's big. It's an astonishing number. Yeah. And if you think about it, I mean, you know, you guys know this as well as anybody. A sale is simply the transfer of ownership, right? Yes, right. And it's very basic. So when you look at taking, you know, Chad Bria Home Builders floor plan, putting in my gourmet kitchen, seeing if it'll fit, seeing if I can get, you know, the double oven from Whirlpool or the induction top cook, you know, cooktop from Bosch or name your, name your poison. Um, whatever yeah. my lifestyle is, if I take your floor plan and I start to match my lifestyle with it, I'm, I'm possessing your floor plan now. Right. And that's where that conversion increases. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so do you guys start to see or track or can the builder do this? Like how, well, let me back up for a second. So how does the tracking happen? Obviously this is, it's a separate, um, this is a separate web-based system. Do you see people integrating this into their site? Is it a standalone thing or both? I mean, how, and then how do the, how do you, how do you go about tracking this? How does the builder get that information? Sure. All, all, all good questions. Um, so, um, so I'm going to leave the reporting one to last because there's like six, okay. six questions in there. Um, <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, so the first part of that, we have, um, we have builders that do use it as a standalone, but for the most part, we encourage them to at least turn on the marketing side, the browser, not, not contracted buyer, but browser side. Um, they can if they want. They don't have to. It doesn't cost them to do it, but you do get your marketing team or your ad agency involved and things like that because it needs to be pretty. It's, you know, it's the face. Um, and sure. so 
uh, Envision is designed to push links out. So it's a SaaS-based system, browser-based system that um, looks and feels like your own website. Um, and so I can click on a quick move-in, for instance, and look at the options for that quick move-in. And I can go actually push right into the uh, Envision website, see that home, that spec home, and see visually what the builder chose to bridge the gap between the starting from price and the spec home price, right? So this home builder might have this spec home available at 310, right? But the starting from price yep. is 295. So Envision will actually help tell that product story, what the builder chose, whether it's flooring, upgraded flooring, things like that to bridge that $15,000 gap. So we have, so nice. yeah, so, so when you push in a new spec right out of your, out of your uh, ERP system, you push a spec into, into Envision, it creates that home, it pushes you out a link. That is the link you can put on your website for that quick move-in. So that's one yeah. way to use it. And, and just to clarify, and I think you, you touched on it early on, but I just want to make sure as we're talking through, because we're throwing out all kinds of info, we're getting in deep quick, which is great. <laughs> but so the Envision, the, the virtual design center, essentially, or I shouldn't say the virtual design center, it's a, it's a, it's works in collaboration with, you know, your existing setup. And, but what, how it works is it's tying into your backend system, whether it's a Mark systems, whether it's a sales simplicity or builder MT, um, whatever that is from a pricing and product, it's tying into the builder's backend system and, and pulling that or taking that push and then displaying all those options and vendors and all that kind of stuff on the front end. Is that right? Yes. For, for, and I would say for the most part, yes, because okay. we have lots of different systems. There's, you know, I mean, you know, as well as I do, there's small ERP systems. There's I'm an Excel QuickBooks builder. There's everything in between. So, so we kind of have yeah. lots of different solutions to pull that data, but, but, that the, the bottom line is, is that the builder system, whatever the record holder is today, is the system that tells Envision how to operate. And Ted, we did, um, we did dive in pretty quickly, and I do want to take mm -hmm. a step back. Can you give us some of your background? Because all of this is so interesting, and obviously um, you have done so much research and you have this product that we're you know getting deep into, but I want to know more about um, you and how you personally got here and um, are where you are. Um, uh, sure. Um, um, I did not prepare for this question, Molly. That's okay. Uh, but thank you. Um, no, it's a good one. Uh, <laughs> so um, uh, I would say I, I actually started working at homebuilder.com. Um, that was my first foot step into the industry back in 99. Um, so, uh, so I just aged myself on your podcast. Um, and uh, <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, I worked there for a little bit, um, got to understand the industry, left and actually started my own business. I started my own website, um, design and search engine optimization company and uh, ran that for, uh, I want to say, six or seven years. And then a friend of mine who is in the industry, who I've known for like 25 years, uh, was working at this this company called Builder Home Site. And uh, and they and he convinced me to come work for for them back in, in uh, 2006. Um, and that's where, and that's Builder Home Site is our parent company. So that's where I've been since 2006. Um, and I started just back then kind of working with New Home Source and some of our, our um, graphics services and uh, moved my way into uh, about two years ago into the Envision product. Um, we've had it for a long time. We've had it since like 2005. Uh, but we have decided to push uh, sort of some renewed interest into Envision for a couple of reasons. 
Um, one is it's an amazing product, and I'm I, and I know I'm incredibly biased, but um, the customer satisfaction scores that we see when they have time to decide before Design Center, we always see an increase. We always see a, almost a full star increase. Um, and so just giving customers that digital journey, yeah, it's a huge deal. Um, so given that customer journey is a big step, I think. But but um, as you may have um, alluded to a little bit earlier, Matt, uh, we do also see the future of home buying being letting buyers do what they want, right? Putting everything out there. And if it's an iBuyer situation where I take an interactive floor plan that can talk to my system or my system talks to it to set the rules, uh, and then I move from that interactive floor plan into option selections, you know, or maybe I can change the footprint of that plan, uh, you know, on the lot a little bit. It, it, you know, you can start to see how you can almost order a home from the internet. I I totally 1000% agree. And it was part of our conversation at, at dinner last night. And we're talking about how our industry is so has such a convoluted process. And there's so many pieces of the puzzle that have to come together. And there's going to be a huge disruption in our industry, someone is going to streamline this whole thing. Right. And once they do, it's going to be complete disruption. And what I think what has what's happened is if you look at any industry, any sector, any it doesn't matter whatever business, Anytime, if you're the business and you're trying to push against the opposite direction of what the consumer actually wants, you lose. Agreed. It doesn't matter what it is. If you're, if the consumer is taking you down your business down a path that you don't want to go down and you push back enough, you're going to lose and, and just embracing and making this, you know, this, the, the, the catchphrase that gets thrown around all the time is a frictionless experience and how, you know, Amazon is the perfect example of, you know, making things, you know, less, have less friction is, is key. And I think this is one, you know, this Envision product that we're talking about is one of those things. And, and what we were talking about kind of taking the conversation a little further around what we were discussing at dinner was, you know, the builders taking out their kitchen vignette options or their full size kitchens, and they're still going to have some small samples. And it's like combining the senses, right? So it's like, I don't have to have all this dedicated space for three full size kitchens, but if I have my granite or my quartz and my cabinet samples that they can touch, you know, see and feel, and then they take that and they have a big screen in, in that design center that the customer can then virtually interact with how that's going to look as a whole. And I'm touching the, the granite piece or I'm touching the quartz piece and the, the small cabinet piece in my hand. But now I'm interacting with those same color schemes on a monitor and can see what that looks like. I think that brings that whole thing to much more of a quote unquote 4D experience. Yeah, it definitely does. And there's also a level of value of new versus used because it puts the buyer in control and it shows them that this is truly uniquely theirs. And that is something that builds trust and builds that relationship, but really differentiates us um, from used homes. I, I, I couldn't have said that better myself, Molly. Um, I, I just got back from a trip to, uh, to Utah. Utah has had a pretty hot market housing market for a while. Um, and the, the, the conversation uh, or conversations up there were um, 
you know, there's about a 20, maybe 21, 22% difference between a, a, a used home, right? And a new home in terms of cost per square foot, price per square foot. And they get caught up on that quite a bit because that's a pretty good leap. How do you, t- how do you, how do you bridge that value gap and letting people choose things? You know, it's my oven. It's not somebody else's choice. Um, it's now, uh, you know, I also, w- what we can't skip over and is really important is the value of the people in the design center. I am not a designer. I tell everybody all the time, if you ever see one of my demos, I build the ugliest kitchens. No builder would ever want. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's, it's not my thing. Um, but for me to go pay an interior designer to come give me help and, and, and cure me of my purple wall problem, um, it's going to cost me perhaps that 20% difference between a used home and a new home. So there's a tremendous amount of value in really hitting on the choices that they're yours. Nobody else has used them. <laughs> you know, all of these things, because now it's just like, um, you know, the comparison I make, it's like art. You know, it's subjective. I, I love the 1832 floor plan and nobody else does. Right. That's that's because I'm a human being. And, you know, we, we, we need to um, we need to be prepared to give everybody everything to make those decisions. Cause, cause you know, to your point, that's the disruption that's happening in the consumer side, regardless. Do you think we're going in the direction of more options or less options, knowing um, that we're putting the control in the hands of the consumer and um, you know, we aren't needing to have, you know, all of them, all of these options in person. Yeah. That is such a good question, Molly. Um, I think it actually, so my, this is just my experience. I could be very wrong because it's uh, anecdotal evidence, but my experience right now is that when the market is good and we have people lining up to buy new homes, we eliminate our options because we can build a a faster home on a better schedule and make and, and, and pad our margins a little bit because Matt's going to buy a house regardless because the market's good and his job is good. And right. All of those factors, the interest rates are low. All of those factors make Matt get in line to buy a house. And so a builder can say, well, let's just, let's just streamline it and let's build a package kitchen with three color choices. Then we can do it faster for less money. These are all facts, right? Um, yeah. But when the market slows and this is where I, this is the conversation I tried to have because this happened in 2007. We saw packages yep. and when the market slowed, we saw the uncoupling of packages almost overnight. Wow. Yes. Yeah, well, because it's, yes, it's like, okay, well, we're going to do what we need to do to sell something. Exactly. Right. I mean, that's where really what it boils down to. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I saw that myself firsthand. Um, it, it's just, it is a really interesting thing because you put out there, you want to have that fine line, that delicate balance between choice and personalization, but also you don't want to provide death by choice. <laughs> you know, too many choices make someone, you know, freeze, right? And so it's like finding that 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 right mix of of that. Yeah, uh, I mean the, the the buyer's remorse everybody forgets about is, I had too many choices, and now I'm regretting the one I made because I could have made three choices instead of just the one. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and when I think as builders in our industry, a lot of times we forget about who our real competition is as builders. It's not, yes, we compete, you know, I'm speaking, I say we, like I'm a, I'm still a builder, but you know, it's like, we still think of the other builders down the street as our main competition. And yes, we do compete with them, but as a whole, 
new construction only makes up 11% of the market. So that mean that leaves us 89%. The other 89% is actually used homes out there and and understanding what separates new versus used and you you mentioned earlier about that price gap and how you close that gap. Well, if you're going to if you're going to have something that's 20 to 30% more expensive than what 89% of the transactions are going to buy, you have to give them a real reason to actually want to do it. And we can't just say, "Oh, it's quality. Oh, it's energy efficiency." The big thing that people tell us is it's it's mine. It was these were my things. And so finding that fine balance of of choice and not too much choice uh, is is key. The other thing I love, I just want to say, is consumers want to consume information in their own and in, in their own way. So some people want to come out and have a conversation in person, and some people want to have every every single option at their fingertips wherever they are. So I think giving consumers that again sense of control is only going to help advance that um, the difference between a, a new home and a used home. Uh, yeah, I, again, you're speaking my language. Um, I, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I, my, my, I have a couple of daughters. My youngest is 23. She wants to buy a house. And I'm trying to get her to look into buying a new home. Uh, there's a ton of benefits. I'm brainwashed by the new home industry, right? So she starts right. doing her due diligence. She, By the way, she's 23, so she does it all from her phone, even though I gave her an iPad. She does it all from her phone. Um, and, you know, she does her research and I, you know, I follow up with her in a couple of days and I go, what did you think? And she goes, yeah, I'm not going to build a house. And I'm not going to say where she lives or, or any of the builders involved in the story, <laughs> but it's an important one. Um, I said, yeah, I'm not going to build a house. And I said, what happened? You know, the, you know, I started talking to her and, and, and what she said to me was, oh, I went to so-and-so's website and I couldn't find the square footage. And it's true. This builder does not put square footage on their website. I said, well, why don't you, yeah, I said, just call them. And she goes, no, if they don't want to tell me the square footage, I don't think I want to work with them. And then she moved on to the next one and they had some information she wanted that they didn't share either. She went to another one that didn't even have office hours that said call for an appointment. So she was done. She just, before any of these builders had a chance to realize that she's going to consume information the way she wants, how she wants and when she wants, they had no chance. They stood no chance by eliminating any piece of information she was looking for. This is a transparency conversation. Transparency and right. friction, right? You're creating Absolutely. friction. Wait, can we talk about your daughter for a second being sure. 23? Is she yeah. actually in a, in a position to buy a home right now? Because that would be really impressive. Um, yeah, she was just telling me she got she uh, they got qualified and we, we were just talking about it last night. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, she's, wow. she's a smart kid. I'll brag. She's a good kid. Okay. Yeah, you should brag. That's amazing. <laughs> Clearly, she gets that from her mother. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> oh, good stuff. All right. No, that is, you know, that was like a whole side tangent. Um, but that was, that was really, that was really good. And obviously, anytime we can talk about uh, a young generation in the purchasing process is always an interesting conversation. And it, it ties back to what we were just talking about. Anytime that you're going to push against what the consumer wants, you're going to lose. Like those builders lost and they don't even know right. that they lost. Right. And what is she going to revert to, which is a used home that's already built. She knows exactly what it looks like. She knows the exact square footage. She knows exactly how much it costs and she knows exactly what's around her. Yep. Right. 
I mean, there's no guesswork there. So she's like, if this is too hard to figure this out over here, then I'm just going to default over here where I can physically see exactly what I'm going to get. Whether it's better or worse, at least I can see it. And and 98% of us are super visual, which is why builders sell the, the most popular mo- uh, th- floor plan that they sell is the model home. Why? Because that's what people can see, right? That's exactly right. So. It's funny to think that there was a time not that long ago where withholding information to get people to register on your website was an actual strategy in our industry. (laughs) And now it's the exact opposite. It's like, give, give, give all the information. Because if you make it hard at all, at any point, that buyer is going somewhere else. Yeah. Well, yeah, I actually ran an experience. You talk about not too long ago. So, I mean, I, I'm trying to think. I bet this was four, maybe five years ago, but no more than five anyway. But I ran an experiment on our website. And so we didn't have – so obviously if you went and looked at an inventory home, you saw how much it cost. You could see everything. But when it came to a build, so the floor plan itself – we didn't put the exact price of that floor plan on the website. You could see what the neighborhood price ranged from. And so we didn't have that on there. We had our leads. And then we tested. We said, all right, we're going to put actual pricing of these floor plans for built to be built on the website to see what happens. Leads went down. And we're like, well, forget that. And so we put took the floor plan prices back off. Leads went back up. Well, and as time has gone on, Obviously, I'm not there anymore, but they started to see the shift the other direction and started to see the leads start to dip back down. And what happened was people were like, well, I want to know how much this costs. And they've stopped saying, all right, I'm going to ask you how much the price is on this base plan. Um, And they'll just not then they just leave. So now you actually now it's come back full circle to where you have you have to put the pricing on there. Yep, because they're used to getting all the information they want in every other platform. So why wouldn't they get it when it comes to their home? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, that's how we're conditioned. Look at look at everything else you consume. Yeah, no question. All right. So yes, we've talked about all of that stuff. And before we move into, because you guys are a, pl- you are a plethora of information, <laughs> obviously with, you know, Envision being on inside of the BDX um, umbrella, and you've got tons and tons of information and data to share. And so before I get into that, I, I want, because we just talked a ton about Envision, what it can do, how it connects to the backends, all of that kind of stuff. What anybody is any builders listening to right now is they're thinking, well, okay, great. That sounds like it can do a ton of stuff, but that's really probably super expensive. What, how does that work? How does, how does the, and I'm not asking for any type, literally, I'm not asking for a quote, but how, how does that, how does, how does that process look? Like, how does the builder go about? paying for, you know, is it a huge setup process? Is it a massive upfront cost, you know, one of those big investments up front, and then they, you know, they get essentially pays for itself in the long run? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so I mean, um, it, it varies. I know I'm stumbling a little bit, but it varies, obviously, custom builders versus, you know, medium production builders, you know, builders versus sure. regionals or nationals. Um, but generally speaking, it, it, it's a one time sort of setup, license and implementation fee, it's all wrapped in in one. And once a builder owns Envision, they own Envision. So it doesn't matter if you open up 17 more communities, you still own that license, right? So, so you don't come back yeah. and have to pay for that again. Uh, and then implementation, we actually have a team in Austin that comes in and they actually sort of become an extension of the builder's team in terms of marketing, purchasing, design, and so on. 
um, because our team sort of scrambles and gathers data and makes sure everything is working. Uh, you know, we have just a couple of months to get it up and running before it's live and becomes part of a builder's process. So we, we, uh, we dedicate a pretty good sized team to that. Um, then after that, it's actually a per final home cost. So I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's a lifetime um, tool, right? So 10 years yep. in my garbage disposal breaks, I can jump onto Envision, log in, see that it was a KitchenAid three-quarter horse and have the five tips to troubleshooting, like right there. So, um, so that is actually what a builder pays for, is that final buyer. The marketing doesn't cost. There's no monthly support fees or any of that, no SaaS fees. It's just when a buyer, when a completed buyer goes into the system because it's, it's going to cost. It's, you know, we have to hold on to that data forever. And more than likely, Whirlpool or Moen or one of your manufacturers has made a change in their inventory since you contracted that buyer. And we need to protect that new information. I'm sorry, the old information from being replaced by the new information. Right. So if I have an old fridge that's discontinued, we don't want the warranty manual to disappear on the buyer. So we have to disconnect that feed then right from Whirlpool and GE and those guys so that the buyer's data stays. So that's so that's why there are costs, um, but it's only on the final house. Yeah. So so you get to tell me, right, you, you might have a, you might be 400 homes a year and you might only want to put 50 of them into Envision. That's OK. That's you just tell us. And that's kind of how we how we track it. So it's really just a per home fee once once it's up and running. I love it. And and I love that because that's really an extension of or could be the actual, you know, the, the replacing the old homeowner's big <laughs> closing manual, the binder, right, of all the stuff. Because as a builder, we know, you know, the, the manufacturers never change their product. I mean, I've only go through three different refrigerator models in a year, you know, of, of GE or Whirlpool or whoever it is. It's like, oh, and all of a sudden you get zero notice. It says, oh, yeah, we changed out our models yesterday. So anything that uh, you ordered uh, the past 30 days, it's this new model. And all of a sudden it's a different measure, you know. So, but yes, I think it's a, I think it also, so we go from the customer at the front end being able to help select their, their items and visualize their home and their lifestyle. And it takes them all the way through the closing process, past closing, and now becomes essentially their digital manual of, hey, my garbage disposal broke and now I can see what it, you know, what model it was if I need to replace it and or some troubleshooting tips. I think it's, I think yeah. that's brilliant. I can register my appliances with Whirlpool right through Envision after I buy the house. No more three by five cards. Yeah. So, so let me wrap in my favorite nerdy part of this whole thing because you just did a really good summary of Envision. Now what you don't see is the back end reporting tools. And that's the really important part. It's all about eliminating waste getting rid of options don't don't sell um so you had dinner last night with a builder who has a design center physical design center costs money every square foot costs money whether it's uh, a lease or taxes or whatever right or heating and cooling so yep. um so if you can take a trending report by neighborhood by uh, division by builder whatever all the way up to your global options and you can run a trending report on what people actually purchase, what they actually spent money on inside of your floor plans, and then break that data down by floor plan. Don't you think you'd build a smarter house next time? I, I would think so. Absolutely. I agree. So then you're going to build a smarter house, number one. Number two, you're going to eliminate the things in your design center nobody's buying, and you're going to add things that people are buying. Right? So if you have, for instance, 5% of your um, total square footage in your design center is dedicated to 
um, a progress lighting package that no one has ever upgraded to. Why would you continue to take up that space for that package in your expensive design center? Why wouldn't you replace it with something you know sells? Right. Agreed. And you can and you can do that much much easier, right? Obviously, you don't. You're, physically, you're not yeah, taking. Yeah, I have up a that ch- I have a chart. It's a it's a, actually a little uh, like a, a circular graph that will tell you over the last year these are the categories that you made money on. And these are the categories that you didn't make any money on. <laughs> the, the the latter being the most important, right? Very important. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, you know, so shaping up your design center, if you have a physical design center every year, um, if not, then it's about putting the, the more popular products in the, in your garage, in your model home, where you might be doing options or some selections as well, whatever your process might be. It's about having more intelligence on what people are spending money on and then course correcting. Right. Absolutely. All right. Okay. So, we talked about Envision. We talked about how it obviously essentially collects massive amounts of data um, for the builder, prof, what's making profit, what you're selling, what's not, but most importantly, um, you know, utilizing the right space or utilizing the space that you have. And that really ties into the next section, which is what are some of those, you know, and like I mentioned before, you you guys as the, you know, the BDX, that, that company makes up and has a lot of different tentacles that touch a lot of different things and what do you guys see from a like a consumer trends of consumer behavior online interaction things like i mean overall kind of big picture what do you what do you guys how are you guys seeing things on your platform um in terms of like a new home source yeah okay. yeah new home source um, yeah so new new home source we we've actually been running a bunch of trends um, because we've been hearing concerns about uh, web traffic and searches being down. Um, and so we, we obviously pay really close attention to where we're getting our traffic, how we're getting our traffic, how much time and so on. Um, and we have actually, New Home Source has actually seen an increase from last year uh, versus the global trend is actually um, either flat or down depending on the market you're in. And mm-hmm. what, what we're kind of excited about with that is, is because if you, if you take that trend and then you add into it the demographic information that, you know, on who we're attracting uh, to new home source. They are um, mostly women, right? 60 something percent women, um, households with 75,000 um, or more in income uh, is like 62 percent uh, prone to buying a new home versus a used home is 62 percent. Like there's all of these really interesting demographic stats that say we should really think about nurturing these new home buyers because they are, the trend is actually up, but we're, you know, depending on where you are, you're seeing permits are a little flat. Um, we've seen them go down. Actually, I think they went down a percent in Texas for the first time in, you know, a million years or something. Um, but, right. But that, uh, again, that, that actually gives us some, some hope in that there are people who are still saying the economy is still good and I'm still interested in the American dream and new sounds really intriguing. Um, I want to chalk that up to a lot of builders talking about more about how new is better. You, you mentioned energy efficiency. It's the number one thing somebody wants to talk about in terms of a new home. Yeah, right. Right. And that, that's just your code changes over three years. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and two, you're seeing, you know, you're starting to see um, when it comes to, uh, you know, we're talking about whether permits are flat or down. 
um, it, the numbers still show that as an industry, we're still substantially undersupplied. And, but the key is we're undersupplied in key price points from an affordability standpoint, I think. Um, yeah, and that is absolutely a, a, what, you know, one of our challenges and probably goes back to the conversation Molly started about packages versus, you know, saying yes to everything, tons and tons of options. Um, you know, that helps your supplier challenges when you can create simply packages, right? No, no more um, four-part Delta shower systems. You just get this one or that one. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, that, that is it. I think we're coming up. Golly, I just looked at the time. We've been sitting here chatting for almost 40 minutes on uh, <laughs> on some really nerded out <laughs> stuff. Uh, Analytics, yes. <laughs> Wait, I have one last question. I want to talk about product for a second. So you have so much information. We talked about digital consumer trends. I want to know what the trends are for options and upgrades right now. What is something that has changed recently that you're seeing more people are selecting? Um, you already that, said you're not a designer, so we know it's yeah, not purple. Wall. So it's not purple. We're, <laughs> it's not purple and it's also not mustard yellow in case you're wondering about that one too. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's actually, um, it's actually more led, I think, by the manufacturers and we, we, um, and, and not to, not to use this time for this, but I, but it actually makes sense. We have a, an HMX conference where we invite like Moen and Whirlpool and GE and, and Honeywell and those guys to actually come in and talk about those trends. Um, because oh. along with the data they send to us, we send them reports back and that's how they adjust their products. And so we, we, you know, again, they, they do the same thing we're encouraging builders to do. They eliminate waste, the dusty pallets of tile that haven't sold in Phoenix, Arizona. You know, here's the data as to why. Um, so I, I would say that's a great question that I do not have an answer to that I would recommend anyone either reach out to your distributors and look for some of that because I know they're all prepping for this conference in October and that we'll have some of those those stats. Moen's really good about tracking all of that, actually. Um, I just find the consumer side of it so cool. And, and, you know, they are making some of those decisions with the, with the data that you guys are providing. And um, I, I think that there's, I think it's really interesting. I do think we're starting to see some changes in what people select. So, all right, cool. We are, we are, I think. And, and he, the interesting thing um, that, that I actually try to encourage that we don't see a lot are, are what I would call collections. And that's halfway between a package and sort of option everything where your designers can actually use all these different options to build a beautiful kitchen that isn't a package. It's just all of these separate products that an interior designer put together and then promoted with an image or something like that. Um, that is something we see a percentage of buyers just default to because they don't want to make all those choices. <laughs> so if you're not using collections, any builders yeah. listening, doesn't matter if you talk in vision or not. If you're not using collections, you're missing a segment of the population. Makes sense. No, I agree. That's good. That's good stuff. Okay, Chad, if they, if anybody wants to reach out and, and talk more, which I'd recommend, but they want to reach out and talk more about Envision or anything else that you've got going on, what is the best way for them to get a hold of you? Um, well, I it? mean, anyone can email me directly, which is just cbria at thebdx.com. Um, or if you don't want to talk to me and you know your local rep, you know, we have 22, you know, local reps that are, you know, stationed throughout the country. Um, if you have one, if you don't have one, info at the BDX is a nice non-committal way to start to. 
Yep. <laughs> I just, I don't want to, oh yeah, I don't want to talk to some, yeah, I just want to talk exactly. to someone. It's a good, it's a good generic catch-all. Yeah, right, right. That's right. That's right. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and, and pause there because I think we'll have, I, I have a feeling we're going to have some follow-up questions from this episode and uh, maybe we can, maybe we can have a follow-up episode a little later and, and dive into, dive into some other stuff, especially after you, know, you guys have your conference and you start pulling some of that data together. Uh, it'll be, I think it'll be really interesting to share. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would love to, whatever you guys need, whatever kind of support you guys want. And Chad, wait, yeah, I want to tell right. you one thing. I want to make sure <laughs> that right. you tell your daughter that she has a new fan because I am super impressed and it's, I, you know, you are very bright and she is, I bet doing very well at 23. So I think she should know that she has a new fan today. She's, she's, uh, I will, I will share with her. She's not bad. I'll, actually, I'll, I'll send her a link to the podcast. She'll get oh, a big good. kick out of hearing that. She'll be like, who's this crazy else? lady talking about me on a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what's funny is like, she, so she managed, have you guys heard of the Red X? They're uh, a, it's a real estate disruptor. Uh-huh. They basically, uh, they go scour expired listings and FISBOs and um, um, like almost expired or something. And, and they put them into a dialer and they offer brokerages the ability to go like call on these guys and pick up their listings. And she manages one of their departments. And so she's very, very uh, aware of real estate and the investment and the importance. And so there's a lot of that. I think that she just picked up from her job, but you know, but she's also pretty ambitious. Very cool. Yeah. But thank you. That's great. Awesome. All right, Chad. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. And uh, it was it was a ton of fun. And we'll have to have you back anytime. Thank you so much, Chad. We loved having you on. And we learned a lot. We talked about a lot and we went in a couple different directions and we really appreciate your time today and we will have you back on again soon, hopefully. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Chad. Really, really good, insightful stuff. Make sure you reach out to Chad and uh, he's, he's a really great resource. He's been in the industry a long time and super passionate about what he's doing. So uh, just make sure you reach out and connect with him at the, at the bare minimum. Very, very good stuff. So, all right, guys, that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of Building Perspective. Just remember, you can join the conversation with us on our Facebook group, Building Perspective, where you can ask questions and maybe get them read and or answered on the show. It's been fun building perspective together, and we will talk with you soon. Have a great week, guys. Mm -hmm.